Section 6 of The Science History of the Universe, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Science History of the Universe, Volume 6, edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Zoology, Chapter 4, The Higher Invertebrates, Part 2. With the beetles, or coleoptera, begins the series of higher insects with complete metamorphosis. That is to say, the young develop from the egg into a larva, quite unlike the adult in form, structure, and habits, wingless and more or less worm-like in appearance and habits. After a period of active growth, the larva becomes quiescent, wrapping itself up usually in a cocoon or protective case, and undergoes a remarkable change, the organs and tissues of the body being largely broken down and reformed, and finally the completed insect or imago, issues from the cocoon or cell, perfect in form and widely different from the larva, not merely in its external form, but in the whole internal structure as well. This extraordinary change, which has often been used as an apt natural illustration of ethical regeneration, is one of the most striking and wonderful features of insect life. It is completely carried out in the beetles, moths, and butterflies, the lace-winged flies, the two-winged flies, and in the ants, bees, and wasps. The lower orders of insects exhibit various degrees of approximation toward it, but in none of them is it complete. The beetles include a vast multitude of different species and genera. 12,000 species are known from the United States and Canada alone. All of them are distinguished by the hard, horny forewings, which serve as a sheath for the membranous hindwings, these alone being used for flight. The body is compact in form, covered by hard, horny skin, and the mouthparts are adapted for biting, the jaws often strong and large. Some beetles are predaceous, others, and these the great majority, are plant eaters, and some of them are notorious pests. Among the noxious beetles may be especially noted the potato bug, wireworms, white grubs, and other beetle larvae, fruit and grain weevils, apple tree borers, and a host of less important ones. The predaceous beetles, on the other hand, are actively beneficial by destroying quantities of noxious insects. Among the handsomest members of the order are the tiger beetles and the various predaceous ground beetles, active, alert, many of them of bright metallic color patterns. Many beetles, like the fireflies and glowworms, are luminous at night. 
Some of the tropical fireflies emit light enough to read by when a few of them are placed under a glass. The stag beetles and rhinoceros beetles are among the largest of a group, Lamellicornia, notable for the huge mandibles and various peculiar horn-like processes developed in the males of many of the species. The numerous kinds of wood-boring species, some of them of giant size, do serious damage to orchards and forests. The little round ladybird beetles, or ladybugs, with their polka-dot pattern of red and black, on the other hand, are a great help to the gardener and fruit raiser, as they feed upon plant lice and scale insects. In the large group, which includes the curculios, weevils, and snout beetles, the front of the head is prolonged into a long beak, at the tip of which are the small, sharp jaws. Many of these also are serious insect pests. The diptera, or two-winged flies, includes gnats, mosquitoes, and the innumerable kinds of true flies, an immense group, including some 50,000 species, many of them familiar from the annoyance they inflict on men and animals, and in recent years more seriously considered as carriers of disease. The mouthparts in all are adapted for sucking and piercing, and they have but two wings, the hinder pair being converted to little structures which are used to balance or direct the fly in his flight. The mosquitoes are familiar from the tropics to the poles, but it is only in recent years that their relations to three serious diseases of man have been suspected and proved. It has been shown beyond question that the germs of malaria, yellow fever, and filariasis are transmitted from man to man through the agency of mosquitoes. The life history of the malaria germ has been quite thoroughly investigated. Malarial fever, which is the most deadly disease of the tropics, is caused by a minute, amoeba-like, one-celled organism, parasitic in the blood corpuscles. These grow and multiply asexually in the human blood, but their sexual multiplication occurs within the stomach cavity of the mosquito, Anopheles. Thence they make their way to the poison gland of the insect, and are so introduced into the body of the next person bitten by this species. The Anopheles is the mosquito with spotted wings, fortunately less common than the gray-winged or brindle-winged mosquitoes of the genus Culex. Another mosquito, Stegomia, is responsible for the dissemination of yellow fever and of filariasis the life history of the germ proceeding along much the same lines as with the malaria germ, so far as it has been investigated. The destruction of mosquitoes, especially of the Anopheles and Stegomia, and protection from their attacks have consequently been recognized as a most important safeguard to health, especially in tropical countries. 
protection is chiefly to be had by extensive and thorough screening of houses and porches destruction of the mosquito larvae can be effectively accomplished by draining swamps and stagnant pools in which they chiefly breed and where draining is impossible by periodically covering the surface of the water with a thin film of kerosene standing water in cisterns or rain barrels should be carefully screened by these methods of prevention the mortality from malarial fever and yellow fever in tropical regions has been greatly reduced when as in the construction of the panama canal they have been systematically and thoroughly applied the smaller gnats and midges are nearly related to the mosquitoes and are equally a pest throughout the world from their bloodthirsty habits the compact heavy-bodied flies with short antennae are a much larger group than the mosquitoes and many of them attain large size the great majority are harmless to man a few beneficial as they prey upon noxious insects but some do serious injury to growing crops the larvae or maggots feeding upon the leaves or roots of the plants a few such as the bot flies are parasitic upon animals or man and others like the house flies blow flies and their allies are annoying and disgusting pests and dangerous spreaders of disease the agency of the house fly in disseminating typhoid fever in cities and camps has been properly appreciated only in recent years dr l o howard has recently suggested that in view of its activities in this direction it might most appropriately be called the typhoid fly this fly breeds in stable manure and other decaying matter and thorough cleanliness and sanitation has already accomplished wonderful results in reducing the death rate from diseases which are largely spread through its agency related to the flies although given a separate ordinal rank are the fleas degenerate blood-sucking parasites of mammals and birds which likewise take part in the dissemination of certain diseases they are wingless with peculiarly compressed bodies and mouth parts adapted for piercing and sucking the moths and butterflies order lepidoptera are the insects says kellogg most favored of collectors and nature lovers a german amateur would call them the lieblings insectin the beautiful color patterns the graceful flight and dainty flower-haunting habits and the interesting metamorphosis in their life history make them very attractive while the comparative ease with which the various species may be determined and the large number of popular as well as more technical accounts of their life which are accessible for information render the moths and butterflies most available among all the insects for systematic collecting and study by amateurs 
this great group of insects ranks with the beetles and flies in abundance and variety between six and seven thousand species are found in north america alone but they are even more numerous and varied in tropical regions they attain their greatest size and beauty of color and pattern in the equatorial forest regions especially in south america the exquisite color patterns are due to the covering of minute scales over wings and body the scales which are to be regarded as modified hairs vary in shape and size from one three hundred fiftieth to one thirtieth inch and their brilliant metallic colors are mainly due to diffraction of light from their finely striated surfaces while the black brown yellow and dull red colors are due to pigment color in the scale itself in this group are to be found the most striking examples of protective coloration of warning colors of mimicry and other more obscure phases of adaptive coloration the lepidoptera all undergo a complete metamorphosis and their caterpillars are more familiar objects than the larvae of any other group of insects as they live mostly on green leaves and are active and voracious feeders owing to their habits and numbers many of the larvae rank among the plagues of farmer gardener or tree grower the adults mostly nectar sipping are harmless as they are often beautiful the silk moth from whose cocoons the world's supply of silk is obtained is also of high economic importance the annual production of raw silk is estimated at over one hundred million dollars yet this is but small probably compared with the total amount of damage done to gardens orchards and fields by the depredations of the various caterpillars of one kind or another among butterflies the palm is generally given to the giant morphos and their relatives whose brilliant metallic colors brighten the gloomy recesses of the brazilian forests these like many other inhabitants of the deep forest habitually fly far above the ground among the treetops and are consequently more difficult to secure in temperate climates the swallow-tailed butterflies papilio and its relatives are the most widely admired one of the most familiar of the larger butterflies is the monarch which owes its success in life partly to its secreting an acrid ill-tasting fluid that causes birds to let it severely alone this butterfly is closely mimicked by another the viceroy which is not ill-tasting but doubtless profits by this resemblance in escaping the attacks of birds the order hymenoptera in which are included ants bees and wasps is the most interesting group among all the lower animals 
because many of its members have a highly complicated and elaborated communal life the study of these great insect societies of their social life habits and instincts is one of the most interesting subjects in the whole range of natural history from the days of solomon the tireless industry and frugality of the ant have been proverbial the busy ways the complicated and orderly activities of the bee are familiar to everyone and Maeterlinck's brilliant and sympathetic description of the life of the great bee communities in his The Life of the Bee, although perhaps too much tinged with the natural tendency to interpret it in terms of human reason and sensations to be wholly reliable, is one of the most fascinating chapters of natural history ever written besides these better-known social insects the hymenoptera include a variety of solitary forms sawflies gallflies and ichneumons and among the bees and wasps there are all degrees of social organization from solitary to highly elaborated social types it is especially through the study of these various grades of organization that an understanding can be obtained of the true meaning of many features of the social life of ants and bees and of how they were developed in order to appreciate the character and limitations of their social life it is necessary first to get some insight into the nature of this intelligence the nervous system in insects and crustaceans consists of a double cord on the ventral side of the body with paired nodes or ganglia at each segment from which the nerves are distributed and a pair of principal ganglia on the dorsal side of the head connected with the ventral system by a ring of nerve fibers encircling the gullet in the higher insects the dorsal ganglia of the head are expanded into a small mass which corresponds in the main with the brain of the higher animals but the ventral ganglia also perform part of the functions which in the vertebrates are concentrated in the brain and the relative size and complexity of the brain mass in insects is by no means to be compared with any of the higher vertebrates the deficiency is especially in the parts corresponding to the cerebrum lodging the higher intelligent and reasoning powers the automatic and instinctive acts being governed mainly by the enlarged ventral ganglia so far as can be judged the nervous system of an insect is that of a very elaborate and perfect animal automaton but not much more it is natural to suppose on seeing the complex and varied activities of an ant or bee community that these insects must possess an intelligence comparable with that of man rather than of the lower animals 
and ideas of their life are apt to be colored by this view but the most eminent modern authorities on their psychology among whom professor forel may be especially mentioned believe that while not devoid of intelligence their actions are in the main instinctive and automatic and that even their intelligent action degenerates into habit that is tends to become automatic much more rapidly than in higher animals the extreme complexity of these instincts can be better understood if it is remembered that the insects are a very ancient group little of their early history has been definitely ascertained but the lower orders of insects at least such as cockroaches and dragonflies appeared far back in the age of invertebrates almost as early as the beginning of the geologic record and the higher orders are known to have existed at a time when highest vertebrates had not advanced beyond the modern salamanders and newts during the millions of years since that time while the vertebrates were slowly developing an intelligent brain the higher insects were elaborating an instinct brain the most serious difficulty in understanding the actions of insects is that their senses are so different from those of man broadly speaking indeed they make use of the same media of communication with the outer world all of them have organs sensitive to ether rays of light and heat corresponding to human eyesight and to the sense of heat and cold most of them have apparatus to sense the waves of sound although less developed than the ears of vertebrates and different in mechanism all of them have organs for perception of solid bodies and of the minute particles given out from them corresponding to the senses of touch taste and smell but differently situated and combined and generally much more elaborated the antennae of insects are sensitive to touch and odor and in most of the higher insects are highly specialized organs in the ants especially they usurp the place which in most animals is taken by the eyes picture to yourself says forel an olfactory sense that is to say a chemical sense effective at a distance and like our sense of smell capable of receiving impressions from particles of the most diverse substances diffused through the atmosphere located not on your nostrils but on your hands for of such a nature is the position of the olfactory sense on the antennal club of the ant now imagine your olfactory hands in continual vibration touching all objects to the right and to the left as you walk along thereby rapidly locating the position of all odoriferous objects as you approach or recede from them
and perceiving the surfaces both simultaneously and successively as parts of objects differing in odor and position it is clear from the very outset that such sense organs would enable you to construct a veritable odor chart of the path you had traversed and one of double significance one a clear contact odor chart restricted to be sure to the immediate environment and giving the accurate odor form of the objects touched round odors rectangular odors elongate odors etc and further hard and soft odors in combination with the tactile sensations two a less definite chart which however has orienting value for a certain distance and produces emanations which we may picture to ourselves like the red gas of bromine which we can actually see if we have demonstrated that ants perceive chemical qualities through their antennae both from contact and from a distance then the antennae must give them knowledge of space if the above formulated law is true and concerning this there is little doubt this must be true even from the fact that the two antennae simultaneously perceive different and differently odoriferous portions of space they must therefore also transmit perceptions and topographically associated memories concerning a path thus touched and smelled both the trail of the ants themselves and the surrounding objects must leave in their brains an odor image of immediate space and this must render associated memories possible thus an ant must perceive the forms of its trail by means of smell this is impossible at least for the majority of the species by means of the eyes it will appear therefore that this antennal sense which forel designates as topographical is the principal means by which the brain of the ant is placed in communication with the outside world supplying the space and form perceptions in the same way that a vertebrate's eyes do light and darkness are indifferent to an ant so far as getting about is concerned many of the species use their eyes but do not depend primarily on them others are blind or nearly so this topochemical sense is present in other insects to a varying extent in bees and wasps it is well developed although not to the exclusion of sight as in ants in flies and dragonflies and in most of the lower insects it is more or less rudimentary they depend chiefly upon the eyes there are other wide differences in the external sense organs of the various insects from man and from each other insects see colors differently 
they hear sounds to which the human ear is not sensitive, while they are deaf to tones that it perceives. Their world of perceptions is so different in its nature and its limitations that it is difficult to enter very far into the psychology even of their simplest sensations. For the most part, the facts can only be related as they appear. The ever-present temptation to interpret the actions of an insect in the terms of the observer's sensations is almost sure to lead him astray. In most of the lower animals, the young are well able to take care of themselves. In general, they develop from the egg with little or no help from their parents. But in the hymenoptera, as in birds and mammals, the young are helpless larvae, unable to forage for themselves and requiring to be supplied with food or fed directly by the adults. This is the most important fact in the life history of these insects. It differentiates them as of distinctly higher type than any other invertebrates, and it is around the care of the young that their social life chiefly centers. It has been well observed that in man the duration and helplessness of infancy is in direct proportion to the progress of civilization. It is equally true of the lower animals, that those in which the young require and obtain the help of their parents in their early life are thereby enabled to reach a higher stage in development than those in which the young can and do shift for themselves from the time they emerge from the egg. All of the hymenoptera make provision in one way or another for their young, and the extent to which this care is carried is the index of development in the different groups. The sawflies, the lowest member of the group, merely place the eggs in favorable spots on the stems of plants where the larvae can feed readily upon the juices of the plant. These larvae are little more helpless than true caterpillars and feed in much the same way. The gall flies show the next stage in progress. The eggs are laid in the leaves or stems of various plants in such a position that the irritation of their presence stimulates the plant to develop abnormal growths or galls, which are utilized as food by the larvae. The ichneumon flies lay their eggs in the bodies of caterpillars, and the larva develops at the expense of its unfortunate host. A great variety of the lower hymenoptera are parasitic in this way upon other insects of various orders, and the parasitism has entailed more or less degeneracy. The life histories of these various parasitic forms form a very curious and interesting chapter in natural history. End of section 6